Welcome to Buffalo HealthCast, the official podcast of the University of Buffalo School of Public Health and Health Professions. We're your co-hosts, Skylar Lawson and Tia Palermo. In this podcast, we cover topics related to health equity in Buffalo, around the U.S., and globally. This season, we'll be talking about nutrition from a health equity perspective. You'll hear from community members, practitioners, researchers, students, and faculty on topics related to nutrition, including food security, food access, social protection to improve nutrition outcomes, food apartheid, culturally tailored nutrition interventions, and more in this season of Buffalo HealthCast. Hello and welcome to this episode of Buffalo HealthCast. I'm your co-host, Tia Palermo. Today I'm going to be talking to Jennifer Matafu, who is a social protection specialist at the United Nations Children's Fund, or UNICEF, Tanzania. Jennifer is going to be talking to us today about social protection, which is the set of policies and programs aimed at preventing or protecting all people against poverty, vulnerability, and social exclusion throughout their life course, with a particular emphasis towards vulnerable groups. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the work you do for UNICEF? Okay, uh, my name is Jennifer Matafu. I'm a social protection specialist working in social protection. Social protection is about uh, working for the most vulnerable people who are in risk and, and the people also who are living in the very severe conditions. So my, my work is much more social protection in terms of helping people in different programming or helping the government through policy or helping the government through uh, developing systems to support the most vulnerable people in our country. And the Tanzanian's Productive Social Safety Net, or the PSSN, is one type of social protection program. It covers one million households in Tanzania. Can you tell us a little bit about the PSSN? Yes, PSSN is Productive Social Safety Net. It's one of the social safety net program. It covers about 1.3 million households in Tanzania. And Tanzania um, is a union government comprised of Tanzania mainland and Tanzania's Zanzibar. So we usually call it mainland and Zanzibar. And it is providing um, cash transfer to the most poor people household in the country. PSSN provide cash transfer in three forms. One is for income and consumption. And, and then to ensure also children go to school and those who have under five children are taken to clinic. But at the same time, the PSSN provides a livelihood component, which provides an additional uh, skill enhancement for the poor families to be able to come together as a saving group to save and get some credit to be able to do improve their livelihood. And lastly, uh, the PSSN program provides also an opportunity to, to get extra cash by doing public works, especially during um, the dry season when most of the, uh, the people who are in the rural areas, uh, it's not raining and they do not, um, uh, they don't have the opportunity to earn 
or get food. So they do some public works like building some roads, improving roads, uh, uh, building some uh, school um, facilities, and they get paid. And that money helps them again to be able to consume some food and also for the basic necessity for their household. So this is a very large anti-poverty program in Tanzania targeting the extreme poor and providing them with monthly assistance uh, through cash payments and public works and savings groups, as you mentioned. Given that the PSSN is run by government, what is UNICEF's role in supporting the PSSN? UNICEF's key role is helping the government national level put the policy and legislation in, in place to be able to have some kind of safety net to support poor people who are extremely poor. Two, uh, UNICEF has the role for children. You know, UNICEF is uh, has the mandate to support all um, intervention, supporting children. And um, in the PSSN program, uh, most of the household, half of the people who are covered, usually called beneficiaries, half of them, about 2.3 million are children from under five up to 18 years old. So UNICEF's role, uh, because given its uh, global mandate, is to ensure that these children are able to get uh, proper nutritious food, uh, the cash that they're given, they get proper nutritious food. Two, they go to school. Uh, Three, uh, some of those who cannot go to school are supported with some sort of skill enhancement or are encouraged to continue school in different levels. So UNICEF's role really is about the children, but also looking at the poverty level, at, uh, at the community level, to be able to support them uh, today so that they can have um, enhanced or improved life um, and somehow get through the poverty circle, uh, which is always an, um, an, an issue for the people who are very poor. Thank you. Can you tell us if there have been any research studies evaluating the effectiveness of the PSSN and what these have found? Yes, there has been. PSSN program has gone through phase one. And phase one of the program, which was like three, four years ago, uh, um, there was an impact evaluation. And key findings or recommendation coming from the impact evaluation is that the cash which was provided to the household enabled a lot of children to go to school and able families to be able to buy uniform and school supplies for their children to go to school and also enable um, especially women or pregnant um, mothers to attend health clinics. Uh, that provision of cash transfer, which they did not have, was some sort of an accelerator to support them to, to reach out for the basic uh, social facilities, education, or health. But also the impact evaluation study shows that there is some sort of progress um, in terms of um, families, improvement of family household. Uh, some few families were able to get uh, through the saving groups, which I mentioned before, to get some credit and sort of start a business, small business, not a big business, small business like a farming or poultry or a small um, shop. And they have been able to improve their income, the steady income in their family. So that impacts studies. It's sort of 
shows that there's no negative impact in providing cash to poor families. Thank you. So even though this might not seem like a lot of money to some of our listeners here, this is about a maximum annual benefit cash transfer that we're talking about in phase one, about $195, which comes out to about you know, a maximum of 15 or $16 a month. But what you're telling us is that for extremely poor families, this is making a big difference in their lives. Is that right? Yes, right. Because most of the families who were part of the program, before the program, there was an assessment and most of them, they didn't have, they only had one meal a day. So now most families are either having two meals a day or they're having three meals a day, depending with each family. It's a little bit subjective. $16 uh, for a lot of people who would think it's not possible to make a difference. But for the people who are extreme poor, having a second meal is, uh, is an improvement, a huge improvement. Without that, most of them, uh, they go back to having either one meal or ha- having no meal at all. Cash transfer global evidence has shown that it can improve family, uh, improve families' con- uh, uh, consumption and it can improve families' livelihood to make a family better uh, because now you are just like providing them um, a trigger to be able to do something which initially they did not have. Great, thank you. So you've talked a lot about um, hunger and meals and being able to afford more meals per day. Can you give us a little bit of a background about children's nutrition in Tanzania? Um, uh, My nutrition and stunting is a big um, problem in Tanzania, and we know that um, uh, nutrition is is somehow related to poverty because people don't have money, and then the consumption of food, they don't have a choice. They eat what they have. Uh, So um, by... Pro- being provided with a with a cash, uh, the by monthly cash, then now they can have a choice to choose uh, a nutritious food uh, as their second meal. So um, from the program itself, um, most of the uh, poor families now that they have the opportunity to have two or three meals, then it's um, there is um, um, a, a demand or a need to sort of help them make the best selection in terms of nutrition to choose the nutritious food for their babies uh, and also for their children, for the whole family. The statistics in Tanzania, hunting or malnutrition is 34, 34%, and that's huge. And, um, and the more poor the people are, the more are likely to have been affected by malnutrition or stunting factors. We have under five um, or pregnant mothers uh, uh, to be able to support them with different knowledge in terms of uh, what kind of food and what are the key issues of having a a healthy baby Uh, and nutrition plays the key factors in terms of uh, supporting these, especially supporting the poor families because cash itself is not um, is not enough, but also they need knowledge. Most of the time, they do not have the key uh, factors in terms of uh, improving their nutrition 
uh, they're not even aware there is something. So those are the kinds of issues that you need to go another level to support the, these families. Wow, that's a really powerful statistic. The fact that one in three children um, under the age of five are stunted. So this is a, a key sign of chronic malnutrition. Um, and it's a really serious concern because malnutrition can impair cognitive development and stunt growth, and it can also really contribute to this intergenerational persistence of poverty. You mentioned babies, and I think it's important to note that um, a, a lot of stunting is determined in those first thousand days of life between conception and age two. So you have been working quite a bit with a new program, um, a cash plus program for nutrition targeted to PSSN households. Can you tell us what this is called and a little bit about this program? Yes, uh, we did a pilot program called Nourishing Life in Kiswahili called Stawisha Maisha. Uh, and the pilot was done in two areas, one in the mainland in, in an area called Bear District, and then one in Zanzibar in Kaskazini B, uh, that's another area. And uh, the main uh, objective is to, to promote and improve the infant and young children feeding practices. And we were able to, during the course of one year, to get some key findings. And one of the findings that we noted in the end of uh, project evaluation, the increased knowledge in terms of uh, but the choice of uh, uh, food feeding practices for most of this family, like like you said, 100 days of breastfeeding. Uh, this most of the people of this household didn't know that you have to breastfeed your baby for the next six months without any additional water or uh, additional food. So that was well received. And also another thing which uh, a very positive outcome during the pilot is that uh, most of these people, and especially mother, they're illiterate. Uh, most of them haven't gone to school and they have less knowledge of basic uh, issues which maybe we take it for granted. So during the course of this pilot, uh, we, we, saw, we saw that uh, there was also a very good appetite for knowledge and uh, we saw also confidence increasing be between the women groups. And also we saw that um, also men were interested to be good parents, uh, taking care and ensure that the nutrition foods are sort of be a part of their meal in their household. And I understand it's it's a story about a woman in the community. Can you tell us a little bit about what Stawisha Maisha is and how it's delivered? Uh, yes, Stawisha uh, Maisha, we call it, it's a peer group whereby um, you have a group of uh, 12 to 15 uh, women or uh, caregivers who are uh, uh, part of the PSSN program. Uh, they come together and then they have some a different uh, edutainment or different um, activities uh, uh, in towards um, 
learning on the impact and young children feeding. One key activity was having this uh, a comic uh, lady uh, who her name was Beast Tawisha, and she was part of the story whereby she, uh, as, as a very key person in, ter- in terms of educating, informing what uh, kind of food she provided in a household and what she had made the difference in terms of having her grandchildren uh, with better meals. And also she has been a key player in the community in terms of providing some information about uh, the choice of food that they should have. So this uh, was based in a storytelling. And everybody, because it was storytelling and there was some some dramas and names of different um, actors, uh, players in, within that community, then it became very interesting for the group to, to, to sort of follow. And this one of, one of the activities which was very well received and everybody now... Um, so, they tend to talk about Wisha and some uh, and some of the the names of the children who the grandchildren and some of the names within the, the community. The key issue is that she was uh, in terms of uh, providing the right information why you should eat eggs, why you should fully breastfeed for six months, and additional food after six months. So that in itself being given in a very comic way and in a storytelling way is very important, especially for people who are illiterate, who cannot read and they cannot write. So the visual and storytelling became very interesting and most of them, uh, until now, if you go to those areas, they still remember the story. That's really interesting. So for some of our listeners who aren't familiar with the term edutainment, it's, it's basically an entertaining way to educate people. and it's part of one strategy for broader communication for development. And as you mentioned, it's it seems like it's been very successful for populations that maybe don't have very high literacy levels. And they're also having fun with it, it sounds like. She's a comic character, and it gives chances for people to kind of get together and have fun, but also learning. So what is UNICEF and government hoping that Stawisha Maisha will achieve? Like I said, the end of the project review sort of recommended that it should be scaled up to the whole program area. And the whole program area is the whole country, uh, of course, including both mainland and Zanzibar. The aim is really uh, to support the factor that, like you said, that if the child uh, in the 1,000 days missed the basic nutrients, uh, doesn't get breastfeed, then the cognitive issues, if it's permanent, you cannot repair that. So we have uh, we have an audience of uh, the very poor, and we have like 300,000 children in the program under five. And if we can be able to reach them with the right messages, and in terms of comics, in terms of using different methodology like radio, I think we would contribute in a bigger way to minimize the kind of um, factors of malnutrition in these areas. And if also at the same time as an unintended positive effects, we can empower women in these areas, the whole country of the poor family, 
to bring more self-efficacy, confidence into themselves to participate more actively in the villages, social communities. I think that will be another level of, uh, uh, of achieving some good results and for helping poor families not just be dependent, but also to take action in terms of uh, the political economy in the area and also in terms of their own uh, in, uh, improving their own livelihood in their household. So the intention really is to reach out all the children in this program under five with the, and their families and their caregivers to the right messages so that they can uh, benefit from these messages and if in a way contribute in reducing those the cases of malnutrition, I think that would be a very good um, um, result for UNICEF. And you mentioned uh, scaling up. So if I understand correctly, you had facilitators go into the villages to help deliver these messages when you did the pilot in Mbeya and an area of Zanzibar. As this program is being scaled up to other parts of Tanzania, um, how is the delivery method changing? We are thinking, uh, we learned one key lesson that um, uh, most of the community are illiterate, they can't read and write. Uh, what will happen is, again, we will continue with the formation of the groups at the community level, and then we will use radios as the methodology of delivering uh, the uh, the, palm, uh, the storytelling, some of the messages to the groups. The groups will convene and then they'll have a radio program, a specific time, they'll play that uh, the program and they will listen and they'll have some kind of um, discussion activities to so that they can understand the messages are being broadcasted uh, for them. And they will also have that opportunity to, to influence their behavior of, uh, of nutrition, how the, in terms of the maternal nutrition, infant and child feeding, the breastfeeding uh, case, and also if we can also create that social network within this poor community to enable them to move uh, within, to be more engaged in community um, um, uh, issues, that will really uh, be one goal uh, of UNICEF in terms of outreach. But then it's not about UNICEF, it's about helping the government for them to be able to address the developmental issues and results they want to achieve within the social protection and nutrition, because then they are complementing each other. But radio is going to be the mode of, of methodology and at community level, but groupings groups uh, will still remain uh, um, as a medium so that they can uh, there can be the interaction and discussion and also show social networking. When I hear you talk about this fascinating program, some of the themes that really stand out to me are how you and your colleagues have been learning and really interested in finding out what works and how and kind of really taking up that evidence in your next steps and also how you not only the learning learning and the evidence uptake, but also how you are looking to scale this program up and make it more sustainable. So what type of delivery modes can make it sustainable? I'm wondering if you have plans for more learning and evidence generation as you scale this up further. Yes, um, part of the social protection is correcting evidence and data so that the lesson can be sort of disseminated, shared, and also they can influence policy and implementation in different levels. 
Yes, there's going to be a um, uh, monitoring and evaluation uh, component, like this, given the scale. I think our country is going to be one of the few countries which we are scaling up in, a, in the whole country, not just in areas. So um, uh, the evidence and data and lessons which are going to be learned during the course of implementation are key. We have set aside a, a specific uh, evaluation on, on, on collecting the, uh, the data during the implementation course, because that, that can sort of help in so many levels, not just in terms of the um, high institutional learning, but in terms of policy and also government strategic um, uh, strategic approach in terms of nutrition and also new, and other classes within the um, the poor communities which are um, are involved in the social safety network program. This is, I think, is key. Otherwise, um, it would be such a waste if we just scale up and then you don't bring the lessons to, to back to the policy level. It's really exciting to hear, hear the uh, dedication that your team has to evidence and learning and improving these programs. It's been so interesting to hear you talk about this today. Stawisha Maisha sounds like such an important and needed program that can really have a big effect on families in Tanzania, especially those who are most vulnerable to poverty and malnutrition. Um, I've really appreciated you sharing your time and your expertise to talk to us today. Is there anything else you'd like to share with me and our listeners here at Buffalo HealthCast uh, before we close? Um, uh, just to emphasize that Stoisha Maisha is a social behavioral change um, initiative and behavior uh, is the key objective in terms of changing behavior, influencing behavior is really key in terms of the whole implementation. It's just not a, a supply or delivery um, or implementation, but behavior change will take a while. But I think uh, uh, that is one uh, of the objective of sort of scaling up to support and help influence uh, both behavior at, at community household level and also bring those lessons at uh, national level. I think that would be a huge um, um, uh, a big result both to um, to TASAF, the organization. TASAF is the um, uh, the government agency which is um, implementing um, the uh, the social safety network PSSN, and we are supporting TASAF to be able to bring these results at national, um, even at um, regional level. Yeah, so it's not about UNICEF, but supporting the government to be able to um, to implement in an effective manner. Yes. Well, it sounds like you and your partners in government have your work cut out for you, but it sounds like you're also really passionate about this and also taking into account learning and evidence and trying to make this program better and scale it up so it can help even more families. So again, here at Buffalo HealthCast, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. This has been a really exciting conversation and we just want to thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Tia. It was good talking to you. This has been another episode of Buffalo HealthCast. Thank you to our guest, Jennifer Matafu, for taking the time to speak with us today. Nicole Clem, 
is our faculty consultant. Sarah Robinson is our production assistant. Omar Brown is our sound editor. And our theme music was written and recorded by Sung Min Shin of the UB Music Department. My name is Tia Palermo, your co-host and writer for this week's episode. Thank you for listening and tune in next time to learn more about health equity in Buffalo, the U.S. and around the globe.